All right. So, so let, me, let me say a couple of things to you that I always say when I'm speaking to, uh, especially to your generation. Um, I want to say some very important things that are, that are serious to my heart, and I'll tell you exactly why. I'll give you four reasons in a minute. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe after, after being with your generation for, for literally the last 15 years and traveling across the world speaking to young people. Here's what I believe. I believe that God is doing something very special in your generation because your generation is the most broken and beaten generation in the history of, of mankind. Your generation is more broken and more beaten and more torn apart than any generation we've ever seen in the sense that your homes are not what homes used to be. I didn't have to grow up wondering who's dad, who was going to be dad's new girlfriend when I went to visit him for the weekend. All right. I didn't, I didn't deal with you. You guys deal with things that we didn't deal with. You deal with stuff. You are a broken, really. Uh, um, some people call you a mosaic generation. It's like a bunch of broken pieces that are just put all together. But I believe in my heart that because of the brokenness of you as a generation, one of two things will happen. Number one, you will grow bitter because if you allow something to happen in your life and you don't forgive it, you don't forgive those things or move on and trust Jesus. It's Ephesians chapter four. You can read it for your yourself, then what happens is picra, that's the Greek word for pickle, all right, that we use for pickle, that means poison, and it gets inside of you, and you will become exactly what you hate. You will become divorced at 32 with two kids and a messed up life. You'll become exactly what you've seen patterned for you. That's one choice. Or you will take that brokenness and you will turn that brokenness and you will look to the cross of Jesus Christ where he was slain for your sins and for your redemption and for your life that you might like literally like a phoenix rising from the ashes become a generation that finally says, you know what? I mean, to crud with all of this religious bull, we're going to trust the Jesus of the Bible and the word of God and we're going to go after him like no generation has ever done before. That's what I believe about you. I believe that you as a generation have the opportunity, all right, to do just that. Because you've come from where you've come from, you have the opportunity to do just that, to rise up as a generation and be something that we desperately need. I'm counting on it. I am banking on it. Let me tell you why. I'll tell you why it's important to me. Four reasons, Caden, Kate, Creed, and crew. Why is your walk with Jesus important to me? Why is it serious to me? I, I, didn't, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't come to tell funny stories. Why? Because I know for a fact that whether you like it or not, my sons and my daughter are following you. What's your name? David. David. My son is following you. Do you play athletics? Used to? My son is following you. I need to be able to bring my son to your school, bring him into your locker room, drop him off. He's going to teach you some stuff about football that your other guys didn't know. But I need to know that when he gets back to me, I don't have to completely recreate his Christian identity because you guys in the locker room messed it all up. I don't need that. I need to know as a generation that you'll take responsibility to see the next generation become something great. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, then you don't know what it means to be a disciple. Ladies, I need to be able to bring my daughter to, to you and let her stay with you for a week. I don't, have to, I don't want her to come back to me asking questions about all these inappropriate things and going through. I want her to be stronger in her faith. I want the songs that she hears and the language that she hears and the things that she sees to be things that honor and encourage herself in the Lord Jesus. And I'm counting on it. Why? Because that's where you are. That's where she is. And she's following you whether you like it or not. 
So I came, all right, tonight to, to be honest. Is that okay with you guys? Is that, is that all right? Are you guys all right with that? Can, can, we just, can we just be real with one another and okay with one another? Is that okay? All right, because I don't want the drama of having to do all the this other stuff that doesn't matter. So can we just get in the Word? And, and Is that cool? All right, we're just going to do that. We're going to go hard after it. Are you guys all right with that? Saturday night. Yeah, baby. All right? So I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 or your app or your neighbor who knows the entire Word and has it memorized. That's why they didn't bring their Bible. Can I get some house lights? Like, I want to be able to see. Some house lights or just maybe some of those floods out. I want to be able to see if I need to throw something. Yeah, baby. There you are. Hey, there's more people back there. I thought it was just these front three rows. Couldn't see beyond that. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, now let me, let me tell you, listen, if you're going to be a generation that's going to see and move in these kind of ways, then we have to, we got to go back and reestablish some things that are really simple. Here is a major problem, all right? This is a major problem that's been happening all across our country for year after year after year is the, the, the fact that we have taught salvation in every way except what salvation really is. And when I say we, I, I mean me. All right? We have taught salvation in all kinds of ways that really aren't related to what salvation really is. How many of you guys in the room would say, I believe in Jesus? Raise your hand. That's good, because the book of James says the demons believe in Jesus. Good for you. There is a, there is a problem, all right, when we, when we systematically teach that somehow you could add Jesus to your life. Now, you ever heard of the word semantics before? Semantics is the way you use words, okay? And so it's not tomato, tomato necessarily, but it's the way that you use words. And so I'll give you an example, one that I use all the time that I'm trying to quit, but let me give you an example about salvation. Here, here is what we know what we would say. Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? We would say that. Would we say that? We would say that. We would say that. And here's the problem with that kind of semantics. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the concept. The Bible says Jesus exists and, you know, and lives inside of us. The problem is Jesus didn't come to be a part of your heart and your journey. Jesus came so that you could die and be reborn with a brand new heart, which is his heart. This is his journey, not your journey. You don't get to invite him along the way with you. This is not your get out of hell free card or Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. All right? This is something completely different. Salvation is not about you inviting Jesus along your journey with you. But we say, well, I'm going to ask Jesus to come in with me. No, 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 no. What you're asking Jesus is to kill you. There's a, there's a big difference. There's nothing wrong with the phrase. The problem is it comes attached all right, some of the stuff that comes attached with it is, oh, I understand. I get to invite Jesus. I grew up in the church. I was born in the church in the nursery. My parents were in church all the time. Granddad of Baptist preacher, his granddad, his granddad. I was born in the nursery. My mom had me, went and sang a special music. My dad was taking up the offering, came back and fed me. No problem. No problem. That's not true. I, really, I was born in a hospital. I, I, well, I don't remember. Praise God. (laughs) 
I don't care what they say. That is nasty. <laughs> I got four children, man. Hey, I mean, the doctor's like, you want to, you want to, you want to, uh, do you want to do this or do you want to cut the cord? I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> I pay you 50 grand and you want me to do your job for you? No, I don't want to cut nothing, bro. I don't want to cut, you want to catch the baby? I'm like, well, somebody throwing him? I don't want people throwing him. No, I, I don't want to catch nothing. You, I'll be in the hall, all right? And when you get the baby clean, I mean the ears and everything, don't be leaving that crud in their ears either. I mean, bring that baby to me, all right? And I, I don't want some stupid hospital-looking beanie. I want like a Hurley beanie or something on the kid. I don't want it to be all cheesy-looking. You better bring him out styling and profiling or just leaving him in there. I, don't, I didn't want to mess with that. And he better not smell either. Can't handle that either. At some point, all right, we have to come to the understanding of what the truth really, really is. And for so long, we have just been saying, hey, if you like Jesus, raise your hand. You're in. And you know what's, you know what's interesting? Is that the worst possible thing that I could think of is not a lost person getting, getting to their standing before God in judgment and God casting them away from him forever for eternal damnation. That's not the worst thing I can think of. The worst thing I can think of is someone who believes that they're a Christian getting there. Because somehow along the way, we bought into some religious lie that said, well, I went to church, or I did this, or my dad's a deacon, or my mom sings in the choir, or I was baptized. I don't care if you've been baptized, like, in a holy pool of water, on, I mean, ho- I mean, on a holy hill, like, wearing some holy clothes, right? You jumped into a holy, off a holy cliff, literally, into a holy pool of water. Holy cow, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And you say it means something. No, I'm telling you, it does not mean anything unless you have been buried and risen in Christ Jesus. John chapter 3, Jesus shows up to a fellow named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I get saved, basically? And Jesus doesn't say, pray this prayer. He doesn't say, raise your right hand and say these five words. He doesn't say, fill out this card. What he says is simple. You're going to have to die and be reborn. To which Nicodemus is like, uh, how can I be re- reborn? I don't really fit in my mother anymore. <laughs> That's word for word Greek right there. That's what he said. All right? Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's all Greek, you know? But he... He says, I I don't get it. I want to show you something. And I I think this is so important to the way that we, the way that we function, the way that we grow, the way that we disciple, the way that we understand what life is all about, what Christianity is all about. All right. Um, I I want you to see it in such a way that you can, that you can, that you can really see it for yourself, that this is the truth about what salvation really is. And you know what's, what's interesting is that you've probably heard this. I mean, a hundred times. What I'm praying is that right now tonight, that those of you that need to hear it will hear it uh, for the first time in a real way, in a way that it, that it literally penetrates your heart, that you can't, you can't stop thinking about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life until you die and are reborn in Him. All right? I'm going I'm to ask God that He make you miserable. All right? 
until you come to the conclusion and understanding because he opens your eyes to the truth. So Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16 says this, it says, uh, verse 21, uh, say this word, let me say the word repent. Okay, now say this word, rethink. Okay, the word repent and the word rethink are the same thing. Jesus comes to the earth and his sermon is very simple. Rethink, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there are some of us that are in the room that are believers, okay, and just, just repentance, but there are some of you that are lost, that rethinking is going to be a major key. So I want you to open your mind to this understanding. So it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be, what? Killed uh, on the third day and raised to life. In verse 22, Peter, uh, Peter is um, his, his main dude, all right? Peter is, is, a, is a good dude. He's a little bit crazy and does dumb stuff sometimes, but he's always willing to get in a fight. I like that about him. Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. <laughs> never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. So Jesus says, I got to go and die. I have to go to Jerusalem and I have to die. The problem is that Peter is following Jesus because he believes that Jesus is, is somehow going to establish an, an earthly kingdom. Say the word earthly. earthly. All right, say the word temporary. temporary. Same thing. Same thing. We talk in way too many earthlies and not enough eternals, okay? So we're talking about earthly. They think that Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to kick the Romans' rear. They're all going to get to be like sitting on the throne with him. It's gonna be, they're going to be like, yeah, just like, just like dude, they, they, they met the, the, the guy that's going to put everything back. The Jews are going to be back in power. And of course, since he's his main dude, one of his main dudes, he's going to be in power. Grapes with the ladies, with the fans. Shoot, it's going to be awesome. And that's, that, that's the way that, that's, that's what's in their mind, okay? That's the way he's thinking. The same way as we often see and sell salvation. Well, if, you, if you'll just love Jesus, everything's going to be good in your life, girl. You're going to get blessed. That's right. You send in $2 to this church, we're gonna, God, God's going to send you 200 You just buy this prayer cloth that we washed in uh, anointing oil, and it's going to be, I mean, all you need to do is give your life to Jesus. If you'll just accept Jesus, if you ask Jesus into your heart, if you'll raise your hand and sign a card to say that you like Jesus, then your life will be forever better. It's going to be great. No bad thing's going to happen to you. Everything's going to be awesome. It's going to be like, just like, literally like, what's the movie with the Poppins lady? It's going to be like that, with the umbrella and the, ooh, the whole thing, the whole all of that it's going to be like that it's going to be awesome and and and, and I, I mean it's like it's going to be that's what it's going to and this we sell it like this it was like oh your life oh your life stinks oh your life stinks oh your life stinks oh man i just want to tell you man if your life stinks then if you'll just come to jesus then everything everything is going to just your whole circumstance your parents are going to get back together um what happened to you when you were eight you're not gonna it's not gonna be there anymore all of these different things it's all going to be different no it's not Jesus actually said it this way. He said, if you follow me, if you come after me, if you are my disciple, if you want to be with me, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, then guess what? Life is going to be rough. And sometimes he says, they are going to persecute you. They are going to come after you. Do you ever ask yourself this question? Why aren't Christians persecuted? Why aren't we persecuted in America? Why? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Could it be that we're not doing anything you're persecuted for? It's a question, right? 
We look like everybody else, think like everybody else, work like everybody else, do like everybody else. He says, if you follow me, it's going to be hard. But I, I want you to take heart because, see, this ain't about temporary. He says, I have overcome this entire world. That means that when you give your life to Jesus and are reborn in him, you're reborn in him forever and ever and ever. And if you were to pass from this place tomorrow, forever is going to be a really good place. Our hope is in the eternal, all right? Our hope is in the eternal. Does that mean that Jesus doesn't have power to overcome cancer? Or, or no, of course he does. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But to sell it as, well, it's going to be great. I can tell you this. There are some days that are going to really stink. And, the, and here's the promise of God. No matter what happens, Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you, ever. Ever. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what happens in your life, he can't die. Like those that we sometimes hold on to that we love so much that we put all of our hope in, then one day they're just gone. He can't be discouraged. He never sleeps or slumbers, so he's never not on watch. He always sees the future and understands what the plan is. He's not like you. He's not like me. He's not like those around us that we put all of our faith and trust in. I wonder, I wonder if we put the same kind of admiration and, and, and adoration on Jesus as we do some of the boys that are in our lives. Or vice versa. You do know they're temporary, right? My wife, I've been married 16 years, and you know what's going to happen when we die? We're going to spend an eternity in heaven, but not as husband and wife. I don't even understand that. How can that be heaven? Even that relationship is just for this earth. Think, just roll that around in your head for a second. How much of what you've thought about today is just about this earth, just about temporary crud, the decisions you make? So Peter is all torn up. He's like, whoa, whoa, back it up. Beep, beep, beep there, Jesus. All right? I don't, I don't think so. Matter of fact, me and my homeboys, we will be waiting, all right? We will be waiting for those dudes. Those dudes come after you? Shoot, we got that. We got that. Peter, a, he's a fighting dude, man. He's like, I'll get Simon the Zealot. That dude's, that dude's like Hawkeye. I mean, for real. This is like the Avenger group right here, right? There's a couple of them that are kind of sissies, like John. He's kind of a sissy, you know, but I, lo I love him. Jesus loved him. I love him. I mean, we don't hang out that much, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, I kind of like the more violent ones. Just, I like the violent ones. I don't know. Just, I like the MMA disciples. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a little more into that. And he says, so this is what Jesus says to him, uh, verse 23. You're going to like this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, big ass, big ass. Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said this to his disciples. If you would come after me, he must deny himself, watch this, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. What life? The temporary life. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. All right? But whoever loses his life for me will find it. 
What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? Now, just imagine this for a second. You're following Jesus. Pretty cool, right? Every day he's doing something cool, walking on water, turning water to wine. Uh, I, I just imagine that Jesus did some really like, cool stuff that's not even written down. I know that there is because uh, one of our writers says that there's so much other stuff I don't even have space to write it. Like some really cool stuff. Like I, I, I just feel like, you know, one day, like, <clears throat> like they're at lunch and they're all having fish and Peter's like, man, I'm so tired of fish. And Jesus is like, bam, steak. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I mean, that's so awesome. I mean, I feel like there was some, some, some cool stuff that, that really happened. Like, I think, I think maybe Jesus invented Dr. Pepper for a little while just during that time. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, what is this new drink? Dr. Pepper. It's made in Texas. I mean, you know, it's like a... And uh, I, I don't know, I feel like for, for some reason, but then he, he, he says, Peter, who's been with him for three years and, and who's had his back and who's learned from him and who's watched him do these incredible things, and Jesus says, this is what's going to happen, and he turns to, to Peter, all right? Capital S, get behind me, Satan. Now, I want you to think about that J just for a moment. Just take that in for a second. Then he says, you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be a Christian, you got to die. Every day, you got to die. You have to learn to literally give up everything. I call this... This, the, the kind of line, one of the lines that permeates this, I call is the Oprah theology, all right? Um, I'm not a big Oprah person, uh, and uh, <clears throat> the Oprah theology is really simple. It says this, everybody is a child of God. Sounds good, doesn't it? How's that sound? Sound good? You're like, man, that's nice. You know, Oprah, that Oprah, she's nice. She gives stuff away in her crowd. She, that, that lady's smart, you know? She's nice. Oprah's a liar. And I, and I, I have, I, literally, I have, in, in my book, in the book that I wrote, I have a line that says, Oprah is a liar. And I'm hoping that she'll sue me so my book will get popular. <laughs> It's a thought, you know? <laughs> here's how, though. Here, here's what I want you to understand. It's not about Oprah. It's about the misunderstanding. Because the Bible teaches very strictly, very strictly, all right? Romans chapter 5, that we, before a relationship with Jesus, are enemies of the cross. Not children of God. Creations of God, yes. Our adoption into the family of God only comes after we are dead, buried, and reborn in Christ Jesus. When we surrender our entire life, okay, then, all right, then we become a follower of 
seen Jesus. And here's what's interesting. It's all about addition and subtraction. So that's the way we put it. We think about it in terms of like life change, right? Um, do you, um, anybody, if you need, to, you need to lose weight, so you go on the South Beach diet or you go on this diet or you start doing P90X or you start taking this pill or you get a surgery or you, you do whatever. It's a life change. It's like, oh, I'm going to make a life change. How are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to start eating different. Oh, so that's good. And, and the same thing a lot of times happens when we talk about Christianity. What's going to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start liking Jesus and I'm going to start doing what Jesus did and I'm going to, I'm going to start singing the songs that the people that like Jesus sing, and I, I'm going to listen to different kinds of music, and, and I'm going to talk different, and you could, you could do all of that. that. That's all life change. That's all basically very, you could, might as well just take up yoga or anything else, because that kind of addition, all right, salvation doesn't work. You can't add something to your life uh, and, and be saved. You, what you have to do is you, you have to cease to exist uh, you have to die to yourself and be reborn in the person Christ, that you might be found in Christ Jesus, that you might be a new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that you might be literally a brand new thing, a brand new creation. And unless, unless a fruit dies, then the seed can't fall to the ground and plant a brand new tree. Okay? So there has to be death in order for that to accomplish. It's not about, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make some changes. I'm going to make some changes. I'm just going to make some changes. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop listening to that. I'm going to start listening to this. I'm going to start. Listen, this ain't about changes. The problem is, is that we want to affect your behavior because that's part of our job as parents and leaders. So we do rework really hard to affect your behavior. We're like, okay, don't do this because you could end up having a baby. Don't drink. Don't do. We want to affect your behavior because we don't want you to do something stupid, all right? And so what, we, what sometimes happens is we begin to get in this kind of whole theory about, hey, you know what? If I do these seven things, and that means I'm a Christian. No, it could just mean you're an enemy of the cross parading around like a Christian, It's all about the change of your nature, okay? If I was a snake, all right, if I had a snake, and I, I had the snake, and I put the snake down, and the snake got to you, what would the snake do? Bite you. Do you know why? Do you know why? You think the snake's mad at you? What did you do to the snake? Did you try to kick at the snake? What'd you do to the snake? You're like, ooh. I don't really like your scales there, snake. Why don't you get your tail over there? Your mama. I mean, you know, like. How's it going? Tu madre. Do you want to do it that way? All right. The snake bit you. Because it didn't like you? No. You know why the snake bit you? I'm going to tell you. You ready? It's a snake. That's what snakes do. Snakes bite you. You're like, I don't believe that. Well, come on down to Sweetwater, Texas. We got a little roundup. It's called the Rattlesnake Roundup. Thousands of them. We'll just put you in there and see. Snakes bite you. Why? Because they hate you? No, because that's their nature. That's what a snake does. Now, if I walked up and bit you on the leg. Now, simple question. Simple question. 
Hey, legitimate question. Does that make me a snake? No, that makes me a creep, all right? So if you sleep in your garage, all right, does that make you a car? No, all right? If kittens are born in a bread basket, does that make them biscuits? No. So I don't care if you were born into the church, if you spend all your time in church, if you're walking around biting people for Jesus all the time. If, if your nature, listen, say the word nature. If your nature is not changed, meaning you're not a new creation, nothing's different. So let me ask you a question. How is it that literally we could take a group of people across the country your age, and I've, I've been in places with thousands upon thousands of young people gathered your age, how is it that all those people in a room could say, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, I am dead to myself and risen again in, in, the, in the person of Christ Jesus, and, and literally the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and bring them all back to one city and put them in a city and their schools not end up being a little bit different. How is that possible? How is it possible if we have all of these Christians for the places that we spend time, the Holy Spirit literally indwelling us, how is it possible that those things aren't different? How is it possible that marriages aren't different? How is that possible? How is it possible the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is there something he's limited to? Is there something he's limited to? No. Except for being limited, that's it. How is that possible? That, that's what begs the question, and that's where we have to go back to the beginning and go, okay, 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 okay. All right, let's, let's look at it in terms of this, this religious lie, and I, I want you to see it. I need you to understand this because I think this is one of those things that if you go back to the very beginning, all right, go back to the very beginning in your mind, the beginning would be what? Yes, the word Genesis means what? The beginning, all right? Go back to Genesis chapter 2, all right? The end of chapter 2, uh, the very last verse says, and Adam and Eve were naked, Love that word. <laughs> they were naked in a little West Texas. We got some West Texas guys in here. Uh, they were naked. Uh, there's no A. It's like an E. Naked. They were naked. And they were unashamed. There was no shame in their life. All right, watch this. That means that's the way that God built them on a purpose for a reason. They were free. All right, it's a picture of all of that. And then in Genesis chapter 3, something happens. What happens? They sin, all right? And so the big question is, why do they sin? Are they stupid? Are they bored? Are they um, whatever? Okay, no, it's real simple. Anybody, let's go back even further than that. Go back to, 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 to the issue between God himself and this angel, all right? This beautiful angel who eventually would become Satan. What was the issue? He wanted to be God. All right? Are you ready? Adam and Eve, you can be like God. 
Same exact, it's the same, it's been the same temptation since the beginning of time. When you are, when you die to yourself, that means you lose all control of the decisions that you make and you give over all control to God, which makes him in effect God. When we are walking outside of, when we're walking in our own desires and our own wants and doing what, who is God then? We are. God says, listen, I don't want you to do this with that boy until you are married. But we say, you know what? I think I can handle this because I must be smarter than God. You say, oh, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And you're going to walk out this door and see your mom tomorrow and treat her like crud. That's in the top ten. Do you understand? What we say is, is very, this is a very simple concept. Once you're risen, all you're saying to God is, God, you're God and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. Your plan is better than my plan. Your life is better than my life. Your power is better than my power. Your strength is greater than my strength. Your, your grace is greater than my grace. Your forgiveness is better than I could understand. Your plan, your passion, your everything is greater than mine. You are God. I am not. Can you get that? That's what Christianity is about every single day, 24-7. You are not God. And if you want to know what the results of us being God are, just pick up the front page of a newspaper. It's written right there for you. What we exist in, the reason we exist and what we exist in, in our, especially in our nation, is because we're proud and arrogant and believe in so many ways that we know better than the God of the universe. And the Bible says that God stands in opposition to the proud, but exalts the humble. Why? Because the proud says, I am God, and the humble says, you're God. The one thing that God will not tolerate is not being God. It's that simple. It's that simple. He's God alone. And he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our death to this pathetic life. Let me use an example uh, maybe before we close, let me find someone who's, who's relatively okay with themselves and, and not all offended and going to cry and stuff. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Yes, what's your name, young lady? Nicole, Nicole how old are you? 17, no doubt. Um, Nicole, I just want to ask you a few questions, okay? And then we're just going to kind of judge you. <laughs> <clears throat> It'll be fine. Um, Nicole, so you're 17. Do you have a high school degree? No. Um, Nicole, um, do you, where do you live? You live here? Where's the furthest you've lived from here? Have you ever traveled outside of the country? Not out of Texas. Nicole, what, do you have a car? What kind of car do you drive? A Tahoe? Not bad. I mean, compared to my infinity, it's not that great, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't really have an infinity. I'm a preacher. Hello. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to give me a ride home. I mean, I don't know if I can make it. Nicole, do you, you have a GED? No. Do you have a, a 401K? Do you have an IRA? Do you have an ABC, BBD, East Coast Jamming? Oh! 
Who's in the house? Anybody? Anybody? Any? One guy, two guys. This is so pathetic. <laughs> it's boys to man. Look it up, punks. It's awesome. It's awesome. Look it up. Nicole, look up boys to man. Seriously. All right? Nicole, so no GED, no IRA, no 401k? None of that. You got none of that. No high school degree? You got an old beat up Tahoe? Good for you. Um, you, got a, you got a boyfriend? No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Boy, did I pick a winner. <laughs> hey, Nicole, are you married? No, you're not married. Uh, do you have a college degree, Nicole? Now, have you taken your SAT? No. <laughs> Guys, how about the ACT? Are you in school, Nicole? Um, do, do you have a, um, uh, do you have, uh, um, a passport? Yes. You do? <laughs> to travel out of Texas with. <laughs> In your Tahoe, single, with no degrees at all. Nicole, I mean, now that we've really evaluated your life and, and we've really looked in detail at, at how knowledgeable and well-rounded and, and, I mean, just absolutely, I mean, phenomenal you are, would, would, would you, do you think that it, it, you're the best person, all right, on the planet to run your life? Yeah. <laughs> that was an easy one. And if you ask any adult in this room that has any sense in their head at all, they would tell you that it doesn't matter. I have all of those things, except the Tahoe, which I'd love to borrow sometime of you. <laughs> I have all those things, and a beautiful wife and four kids and 20 years in the ministry. And you know what, Nicole? I'm not the best person around my life either. I have to die. One time I died and was reborn in Jesus Christ, and every single day I have to say to God, God, you're God, and I'm not. Because his plan is greater than my plan. And here's the problem is that we think in our minds, we think, oh, I can't give up that control to God because then it's going to be bad. God's going to send me to Africa and live in a hut, and, and it's going to be, God's going to, um, let, let, me, let me show you something for the ladies, all the ladies in the house. Let's see, do we have any ladies in the house? Any ladies in the house? Ladies, hi. No? Okay. <laughs> Not exactly, but, you know, hey. So, so all the ladies in the house, all right, how many of you guys, how many of you guys have a list? You know what I'm talking about, a list. You got a list, not a grocery list, a boy list. Yes. No, no, no. No, no. You have on your list, whether it's written down or not, you have what you want, right? You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I want a blonde. Mm -hmm. Six foot two, needs to have good teeth. All right, hey, no, seriously, how many of you guys have that? How many? So I mean, it's really, 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 really do have that. It's really something you've thought about, okay, all right? Um, and, and, and so let me, let me speak. I want to talk to you. Don't, don't trip out. Don't, don't giggle. Don't giggle. No giggling, which just makes you giggle more, all right? So, so let me see one of those persons that had their hand up, a couple of persons, and there's one over here, a couple over there, okay, a couple and a guy in the back, okay? And, uh, 
Call down here. So, so, um, so what, what, yeah, what, right, way, way, way in the back. What's your name, young lady? Emma. My daughter's first name is Emma. Emma Kate. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Emma, um, how old are you? 16, all right, and, and, you, and, and you have this list, right, you're thinking, this is what I think I want, this is what I want in a man, right, right, and it's, it's either written down somewhere, or it's in your phone, under notes, or it's up here, all right, um, and uh, so you don't forget, um, but um, Emma, um, what if I said to you that all my, my desire, all right, for you, is that you would, you would get everything on that list, wouldn't that be awesome? All right, check this out, Emma. Here's what it means to follow Jesus. Here's what it means to be a disciple. Here's what it means to die to ourselves and be reborn in him. His list is 10 times better than your list for you. The man that he has for you blows the doors off the man that you might think you want for you. And that is not giving up. It's saying, you know what, God? I trust you more than I do me. You're God. You're God. So you're going to go in your small groups tonight. You're going to talk about a lot of things, all right? Um, we could go to 50 different scriptures, but you're going to talk about a lot of things um, in your small groups, and we're going we're gonna to allow that to kind of happen where you can get to your small groups and you can go through those things. Um, but I want to tell, tell you this one, uh, this one story as we close. I, uh, I used to really freak out about, you know, the, uh, the whole trusting God and that kind of thing. And, uh, and just die, really dying to myself and saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm, and, and let me explain it to you, and you'll get more of this in your small group. There is, a, there is a, a time, all right, in your life where you say, and many of you have done this, whether it was you signed a card or you prayed a prayer, that, was a, that, that might have been in your, in your heart the time that you died to yourself and reborn in Christ. Just because you said it one way or you asked Jesus into your heart doesn't mean that you are not saved, okay? That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, so what I'm saying is that it's the understanding that you have about what it means to die and be reborn in, in Jesus Christ. Um, but I, I was reading this, um, I was reading this uh, preacher book, and uh, they, they have these books. I, I know this is so cool. You know, you, they have these preacher books, and in a preacher book, you could get like all these preacher stories, you know? And I don't know if you've ever been around any preachers, but sometimes you can tell that the story came out of the book, you know? Um, it's like, and a girl went to the doctor, and she said to the doctor, doctor, you know what I mean? You're like, is this a joke or? No, it's a preacher book story. It came out of, it's a preacher book, and you get the book, and they have the stories. You're like, oh, okay, you want to find one on fear? Here you, here's a story on fear. All right, so, um, and so it's an illustration, right? And so I'm reading the book, and I read this story about, there's a true story, though. It's about this guy, his name's Greg, I think, and then this girl, and they were, uh, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Hey, and they won. It was really hot, really they lived, and they wanted to go swimming, and they didn't have a swimming pool, which makes it hard. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's very difficult to swim without a swimming pool or a lake or some pool of water. All right? It's very difficult. And so they, what, they, what they did is they, they, they remembered that the guy on the very end of the, of the street, a very wealthy dude, he had a really nice big pool. And they knew he was out of town. So they waited till the evening, and they snuck down to the dude's house. They jumped over the fence, and they got ready to go in the pool. You know how guys are, you know. Um, girls sometimes will do the walk-in thing, you know. Um, and, and guys will sometimes do the plunge thing. It's not always the case, but in this particular case, the guy was like, you know, it was his girl. He's like, yeah, I'm going in. Look at me. I'm tough. You know, <laughs> just like all of us are. And, uh, and so he dives off of the diving board. He's going to do something super cool. Like, and he does a dive right into the pool, nine feet of concrete. 
Not a single drop of water in the pool. This is a true story. Breaks his neck, paralyzing from the waist down. And I'm reading the story, right? And I'm reading the preacher book. Right? I'm, like, I'm like, this is the dumbest story I've ever heard. I mean, why who put this in the book? Somebody is punking me right now. I'm getting videoed by MTV or something. It's like, I don't know what's going on, but this is messed up. And I'm reading the story, and I'm like, well, how is this dude going to turn this into something? And I'm like, oh, that's just the dumbest story ever. And, and, the, and the, the dude is telling about the guys. It's your story. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. Why would you put this in the book? And he says, this is what he says. He, he says something so profound. He says that the, 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 the guy that owned the pool, he didn't put the fence around the pool to keep you from having a good time. He put the fence around the pool to keep you from breaking your neck. And so when God says to you, this is the parameter I want for your life, he is not saying, I don't want you to have a good time. What he's saying is, I know that the pool's empty. I just don't want you to break your neck. This surrender to God is not like, oh, man, can't do nothing, just so boring you know, can't even do this. Bro, don't even get me started on the adventure that it is to walk with Jesus. It's a good one. It's a really, really good one. I've been all over the world just following him, doing crazy stuff, just being with him. If you don't believe it, go read, the, go read the, about the disciples and what they did on a daily basis. Pretty stinking cool. Pretty cool. We got to touch somebody. Heal. That would be awesome. <laughs> We're going to hang on afterwards, all right? Listen to me. I need you to understand this because two things, this is what I, two things I need from you. Number one, I need you to, um, Psalm 139, I need you to search your heart and know it. I need you to ask the Lord to search your heart and know it. To say, God, okay, okay, I, I just, I need, I need to, and people are like, man, you know what, Kevin, you should never, you should not get people confused. You know, they're going to get confused about their salvation and that's going to mess, listen, I, I could care less. I could care less as long as you ask God, the question, where am I with you? Because I would rather you be confused for a day than spend eternity separating from him when you thought you had it all wrapped up. You understand? This does, this is not make for popular preaching, okay? So, but I want you to understand. That's the first thing I want you to do. And the second thing I want you to do is I want you to really, really, really think about what is, this, what is this generation? Where are you guys taking my children? If my children follow you, are they going to end up with Jesus? Because you're following him? I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it on a bigger scale. Not on the, well, I'm just a 13-year-old boy, and I, I hadn't even taken a shower in three days. I don't know why I'm so... You know, listen. <laughs> You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's probably 13, 14 years old. Don't give me that bull about, well, I'm just a seventh grade girl, I can't do, don't even start with me on that. The power of that raised Jesus from the dead exists in you if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So don't, don't give me that. All right? I'm not buying that you got to be in the house until you're 25, okay? You need to get out and get a job is what you need to do. 
but I, I believe in you as a generation. I want you to ask yourself some serious questions. There's nothing wrong with that. Search me and know me, O oh God. Search me and know me, O oh God. And there's nothing wrong with doing it every day, all day. I have no question about my salvation. No question. I did for a long time until, I, until, until life hit. And I finally looked at God for the first time and said, Oh, you mean your God? I was thinking you were just going to come along my journey with me. And he said, Bro, this ain't your journey. This is my journey. Guess what? His journey? <laughs> Kicked the dog out of my journey. His girl, the one he picked for me? <sighs> Come on. Shoot. He's trustworthy and worthy of our worship and praise. We're going to just take a, a, a little bit of time and, and, and do a song or so. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, I absolutely, positively, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Love me some Will Norville. I really, really do. And uh, so I'm so excited to, um, I know that you guys get to see him some, but I don't get to see him very often. And so it's a blessing for me. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to close your eyes if you don't mind. Um, and, uh, and bow your heads if you don't mind. Uh, if you don't mind, that's okay. That's up to you. But uh, I want to ask you a simple question. And here's the question. If you'd say, Kevin, I, I, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not, asking, I'm not asking you to evaluate everything. I'm just asking, if you'd say, I don't know. I have a question. I have a question about whether or not I have a relationship with Jesus. Would you do me a favor and, and just all honesty tonight? We'd just be honest with each other. And, and uh, um, we said we would do that. So if you'd say, Kevin, I don't, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. Or you would say, I know that I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Would you do me a favor and just look at me with your eyes? If you'd say... I don't know, or you'd say, I know that I don't. Just look at me with your eyes, real simple. All right, I'm just going to acknowledge you, all right? You know, the first step to, uh, to, to getting found, all right, is acknowledging that you're lost. You ever notice? You can drive around the block 14 times thinking you ain't lost, and then when you finally go, wait a minute, I don't think I know where I am right now. That's when you, that's when you ask for direction. So that's simply what this is. So if you'd say, I don't know, or you'd say, I know that I'm lost, would you just look at me with your eyes? I just want to acknowledge you, just as the Lord acknowledges you and hears your heart, just hears you. He hears you and sees you and knows you, knows everything about you. The psalmist also tells us that. Just, yeah, just fine. Just look at me with your eyes if you'd say, I don't know. There's nothing wrong, all right, with that. Here's the goal. The goal is for those of you that are lost, all right, tonight to, to come to knowledge of Christ. And for those of you that are confused, to come to that place, like, like I said myself, and I, I would say, uh, I haven't had this conversation with Will, but I don't doubt my salvation. I know I belong to Jesus. And so I, I want to, now I doubt some days whether or not I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my own God and do stupid stuff on my own. But... I wanted to acknowledge you and I wanted you to take that first step to say, so here would be the second step for you. The second step would be simple. It would be tonight, tonight, to go to your, to your host home, to your leader, uh, go back um, to, to one of the guys, uh, to Dave, to, to any, any, anybody, I guess that's an adult that's here, and, and just say to them, I have some questions or, 
or I'm in a place, and this is not something we would do every time or every week, but I, 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 need to, I, need to, I need to get to a place, all right? I need to get to a place where I truly understand what it is to die. Is that, can we, would that be something we could do? How many of you guys that have looked at me just during that time would just say, you know what, I could do that. I'm willing to go and, and, and I'm willing to go and ask someone about it. If you'd say I'm willing, would you just look at me with your eyes? I'm not going to ask you to move. But if you'd say I'm willing to go and talk to someone about that, just look at me with your eyes. If you're not, I understand that. So you'd say, just say I'm willing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise God for that. All right? Praise God for that. Leaders, I, I, I want you to just very simply, all right, just kind of coddle in love, all right? Because sometimes, man, sometimes you start talking like this and kids are like, oh my gosh, you know, um, I said it the wrong way. And really, this, the point of this is to teach you that there was no right way to say it. It's a matter of you giving up you and being reborn in him. That's where your perfection comes from, your righteousness. So I want you just to love on them, all right? There will be some students that are very saved as saved gets, man, and, and they're walking with Jesus, but they're, and there's no, there is nothing wrong with having a question. The only thing that would be bad is having a question and not getting it answered. That's why we're here this weekend, right? We're here to do that, to answer those questions. So to point them to Jesus. So, um, so just love on them, guide them through. You're gonna have quite a few tonight. I feel like in my spirit, you're gonna have quite a few um, that really are lost. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. So I anticipate to show up in the morning and to hear all the wonderful stories about people coming to Christ. That'd be awesome. Pretty awesome, yes, no, yes. We're, we dig that, right? We're good with that, that's something we wanna do. All right, did I tell you I love you? I meant to tell you that I love you. I should have started with that. I got to hollering and forgot. I love you. I love you as a generation. I love you as people because God loved me, all right? Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for these students, and I, I ask you, God, uh, just to make my rambling, rattling, just to make it clear uh, via your Holy Spirit and to toss out the things that are not you and to, to deeply implant the things that are you, that we might see fruit and birth. A new birth, God, in, in Christ Jesus. And I, I pray, God, I thank you, God. I thank you that you brought me to a place one day where I could finally see that you're God. And that salvation was really found in understanding that you're God and that I'm not. We love you, Jesus.